right, praise God. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see all you smiling faces that made it to church this morning. Um, we're gonna, we've been uh, doing a mini-series, because this is just a two-parter, uh, about identity. Last week, we really talked about the identity of our church, what we're doing here, what the vision is uh, that God has given Jody and I to minister to this part of uh, Orlando, uh, and really just the whole, the whole part of Central Florida. And uh, we wanted to share that with everybody so that you know what we want to accomplish here and, and then encourage you to get involved in it. If you weren't here last week and you really want to hear it, listen, you can download any of our, our sermons for free. We don't charge for our stuff. You can um, watch them on our YouTube channel or you can download them to podcast if you got a, a phone, an iPhone or Android or whatever. You can listen to any of our stuff all the time. Um, and so I would encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to download that because that really gave uh, a really clear picture of what this church is going to be doing and what our goals uh, and vision is for here. All right? Um, today, we're going to talk about uh, who you are in Christ. Now, that is a... That is a big, broad statement that uh, a lot of folks in the Christian world like to use, especially uh, if they come from the charismatic camp or the word of faith camp. And if, if you don't know what that is, then you not, you're not one of the ones I'm talking about, <laughs> okay? Um, but there's a lot of folks that use that, and, and I, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I think that we do a pretty bad job of explaining what that really means, and we're like, well, it's who you are in Christ, it's who you are in Christ, it's who you are in Christ. And, and I just wanted to take a few moments today and really try and break that down so that we all understand what that means. Um, because it is who we are in Christ that should be dictating what we're seeing in our life today. Amen. Come on, somebody. It should be who we are, and I'll, I'll say it this way, it's a better way to say it, because of what Jesus did, not just because we're in Christ, but because of Christ, that should be dictating what we are seeing in our life today. Come on. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Um, your identity today should be summed up in this statement. Who you are is because of Jesus Christ. Christians are different than other people in the world. Come on, somebody, that ought to make you glad. And I'm not just talking about we're different in that we're, you know, uh, I believe it was First Peter said that you're a, you're a uh, peculiar people. And I don't, I don't, when I say Christians are different than people in the world, I don't mean that we're just weird. <laughs> now, some of you may look at the person next to you and go, I don't know about that. <laughs> but that doesn't mean we're just, just this, it's, the, it's not that we're just weird. It's not that we just do things differently or, or, or you know, it's not that, you know, it's not that we're, um, you know, not participating in, this, in the same world. How many of you know we live in the same world that people that are saved or not saved do? We, we, we're still here, okay? But where we're different is this, and this is the big difference, and this is gonna sound like a huge revelation, okay? Here's the big difference. We have Jesus, and they don't. <laughs> I mean, boy, that's a huge difference. Okay, I live in the same world that somebody without Jesus lives in. I go to the same restaurants, 
I go to the same place to buy my clothes. I go to the same movie theater. I, go, I drive down the same streets. I live in the same world that they do. But here's the big difference. I have the king of kings. Come on, somebody. Some of you help me preach this morning. I said, I got the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, the one who can just take any situation, snap his fingers, and it's changed. I have that guy living in me. And not only is he living in me, but I am living in him. All right, we're not any better than people in the world. We're not just, you know, we're not, we don't look at the people of the world and go, and, and, and you know what, Christians are the world's worst at this. We look down our nose at people in the world and almost like, well, you poor, just old dummy. <laughs> you know what, it really isn't because we're better it's because he's better, and he's the one that makes us who we are. And so the reason that I'm different from somebody in the world is not because that my genetics are better or my stunningly handsome good looks just stop people in their tracks. It's not because of that. It's not because of my witty sense of humor or my fashion sense or the car I drive. None of that. It's not, it has nothing to do with any of that. It's the fact that I serve God and I serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I serve the guy who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Come on, somebody. That's what makes me different. Jesus, the King of Kings, lives inside of me. Romans chapter 6, verse number 11 says this. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God. Come on, here's the key phrase right here. Through Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 11 says this. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time, come on, right here it is, and secured our redemption forever. It is the actions of Jesus Christ that cause people who have a relationship with him to have a life that is entitled to be vastly different than those who do not. Now, how many of you know, if we live in the same world, we drive the same streets, we go to the same places to eat, we shop at the same stores, we go to the same schools, come on, we, do, we go to the same, if we go to those places, how are we supposed to be any different? Now, immediately, everybody immediately goes to the holiness thing where, well, we're supposed to stand out and, and we're supposed to, you know, be the thing that shows off you know, what they're doing wrong, and we're salt and light, and that's all true. When people see your actions, they should be convicted about themselves. Come on, somebody. You know, when they see a Christian who has a good relationship with God, they should feel convicted about where they are in their life. Notice I said convicted, not condemned, not like they're less than, but convicted just means that they believe now that they're wrong. <laughs> That's what convicted means, is a belief. They should feel that way. There's a story of a, of a, 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 and some of you are familiar with Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth was an English minister 
in the early part of the 1900s and in the late 1800s. He raised nine people from the dead, had crazy miracles happen in his services. And I'm not talking like, oh, somebody said they felt warmth. I'm talking like growths falling off people's necks onto the floor and people watching it dry up and shrivel. I'm talking about babies that were sick that they would bring and lay on the altar. Now this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. And he would kick the baby off the altar. And they would hit the ground. Listen, and that's not because he doesn't love babies, all right? He's one of our most faithful children's workers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen, he would kick babies off the altar that were sick and have, have you know, TB, all kinds of stuff, and they would hit the ground and be perfectly well. I mean, I'm talking crazy miracles, punching people in the stomachs with, tum- with, with stomach cancer, and, and, and it would, they would puke out the tumor right there in front of everybody. I'm talking crazy stuff. Stuff that if we all, I mean, if you were there, you just would know. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. So this guy was sitting on a bus in England where he lived. And he pulls out his little pocket New Testament. And he's reading. That's all he's doing. There's no punching people, no kicking babies, no raising people. He's just sitting on the bus reading his pocket New Testament. And the guy sitting across from him goes, you convict me of sin and gets up and walks to the front of the bus. This is the kind of, this is the kind of effect that we should be having in the world. He didn't have to look at him and go, you no good, dirty sinner. What's the matter with you? You're for this and you're for that. And you're get-. He didn't say nothing to him. It was the mere presence of God in him that he was not afraid to let people see. He's reading his New Testament, pocket New Testament. You know, one of them Gideon ones you used to get when you were a kid in school. And he's just sitting there reading. And and the guy gets convicted just from that. This is what a Christian should be doing. But that's not all I'm talking about. All right, we should be convicting the world of sin by our actions and and who we are. But you know what? The way that we should be showing ourselves different is the power of God should be advancing us. It should be, uh, a favor should be resting upon us. There should be things that we have in our lives that the rest of the world doesn't have. Some of you are starting, I can see the wall going up. I don't have this in the scriptures. If you're following on, on Ustream, you won't see this one in there. But in Daniel... The book of Daniel, the Bible says this about Daniel. And I think it's chapter 6, verse number 3. It says, then this Daniel was preferred above all the other um, princes. And the the Bible uses the word satraps, which is kind of like vice president. So other princes and vice presidents in the country. And here's why. Because a spirit or an excellent, come on, spirit from God lived within him. He was preferred Come on, above it. What is that? That's the favor of God. See, he was different than everybody else. There were other people in the Babylonian Empire equally educated as, as Daniel was. There were other people that, that were, um, you know, had the royal bloodline or, or had the proper upbringing and all that stuff. But you know what? The Bible still says Daniel, come on, was preferred above them. See, this is what I'm talking about. We, as Christians, as people living in our God, we should be seeing this in our lives. 
We, this is how we should be different. If it comes down to you getting a job somewhere and it's between you and an unbeliever, come on, I believe that we should be able to stand up and say, I get that job. Well, well, you know, what if he's more qualified? If he's more qualified, give him the job. But if we're equally qualified, then I'm dependent on the favor of God to, to put me ahead in that race. We should be seeing things that are different. We should, we should be examining or, or, or exuding that. God's power to save or enter into a relationship is available to the whole world. Come on. But the, the rest of God's power is available, come on, only to us. Now some of you, again, walls went straight up right there. And now, wait a minute, are you saying God's power is not available to the whole world? God can do whatever he wants. His mercy and his grace, he can touch anybody he wants to, but they're not entitled to it, and they can't expect it to happen. We can. We can expect God's power to, ha- to happen. We, we can expect, we actually can, when we're going through something, we can expect God's power to change it. Where somebody who doesn't know God has to hope, pray, cross their fingers, throw salt over the shoulder, you know, maybe, you know, hold their breath. But we can expect it. God's, the rest of God's power, salvation is, saving power is available to everyone, the rest of it is available only to us. Because of Jesus, or those who are in Christ, we can have unlimited power in our lives. Throughout the Bible, there are hundreds of scriptures that use the words, in him, because of him, in Christ, or talk about the access to God's power that we have because of him. Many of us see all these things functioning in our, or never see these things functioning in our lives because we're either ignorant of what God's word says or we willingly will disbelieve it based on how we feel. Now, when you came in and sat down this morning, you saw something that looked like this. And I want to thank David Gillespie for making these for him. David's one of our, our members here. Um, he put this together for us. This is all of the scriptures that talk about in him. All right, these are all the in him scriptures, all right? Over a hundred of them here. And if you, you, you ever want to look them up and start here, you know, we did the work for you, okay? You got them right there, all right? Now, <clears throat> I want to say to you today It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter if it feels good or if it feels bad. That doesn't negate the fact that God's word is still true. The way we feel does not dictate whether God's word is true or not. His word's true whether we believe it or not. Listen, he didn't need us there approving or, or giving a Gallup survey or, or, you know, or any of that. So he didn't need any of that when he was up there, out there by himself saying, let there be light. You know what just happened? You know, when he, when he created the heavens and the earth, he didn't need me to go, I approve. I like that. <laughs> oh, you do? Okay, well, let me, now it's real. He didn't need me when he made the ocean. 
He didn't need you when he made the, the, the birds and the, and the animals. He didn't need any of us. You know why? Because his word's true no matter how we feel. And the thing is, is sometimes we do feel saved. Sometimes we do feel like, you know, God's in the room. Sometimes we do feel the presence of the Holy Spirit when they sing that one song and they hit that one part where the, where the chorus swells and we feel the presence of God. That, we feel that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When they sing your favorite song, and they go, whoo, yeah, that's it right there. Mm-hmm, I got it. You feel it. But you know the days that you get out of bed, and you go, oh, my God, it's Monday. Where most of you will be at tomorrow. Ugh. Or they call you, and they say, you know what, um, we're going to have to let you go. Or, or, they, or they lay you off. Or, or, you know, we don't need you to come in today. Or we're going to have to cut back your hours. Or whatever other. Listen, and you don't feel it. You know God's word's still true for you? God's word is still true for you. Romans chapter 3, verse number 4 says this, Let God be true and every man a liar. Every characteristic that Jesus, Jesus is, if we're in him, then we can expect to have that same what he is in our lives. The question is this, and there's a very popular book out right now um, called Je- uh, Jesus, Je- Jesus is blank, right? And it's, my, my sister-in-law goes to, to Judah's church. Judah Smith wrote this, this amazing book, Jesus is, and it's blank. She goes to his church great up in Seattle, and, uh, and, and it's amazing. I've, I've read three or four chapters of it myself and was blown away, All right? And I think... That is a very popular thing right now, but I think there's a flip side to it for us to think this. Is Jesus, and the blank could be filled in, going through the problems you're going through? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Is Jesus broke? Is Jesus out of a job? Come on. Is Jesus sick? Come on. Is he? Is, is, is Jesus depressed? Come on, is, and, and, and listen, I'm not saying there's, uh, listen, I don't want anybody to feel ashamed if any of these things we're talking about you're going through today. I'm telling you this to offer you hope today. Because if, if the answer to those questions is no, then guess what? You don't have to be either. Come on, somehow to make somebody happy. If Jesus isn't going through what you're going through, if Jesus isn't facing a hard time, then guess what? You don't have to face a hard time. Listen, if Jesus isn't sad, you don't have to be sad. If Jesus isn't unemployed, and last time I checked, he's sitting at the right hand, got a job, making intercession for me and you. He's not unemployed, guess what? You don't have to be unemployed. Listen, if Jesus doesn't have a shortage in the bank account, come on, you don't have to have a shortage in the bank account. The Bible tells me that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. They got so much gold up there in heaven that the streets are paid with. I, hey, listen, that's who he is. He can be that in me. Amen. And I don't have to accept anything less than that. I don't have to accept anything less than what he currently is. You don't have to have those things if you belong to him. When Jesus, who Jesus is, he is in us, which means we should be experiencing what he is in our lives. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I'm not. That's what this whole sermon is for today. I just want you to realize what he is, he can be in your life. So now how do we get there? Romans chapter 6, verse 11, where we started today. We have to consider this. 
in our lives. Verse number 11 says, so you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to, through, to God through Jesus Christ. Now I want you to look at that word consider. Now if you're reading out of one of the other translations, there's another, I'm sure there's another word there, considers. This is from the New Living. You should consider yourselves to be dead. All right, consider is the Greek word and again, I am not a Greek scholar. I'm from northeastern Kentucky. So if I butcher this word, everyone feel free and laugh, okay? Logizomai. <laughs> Sound like a redneck saying that. Yes, I do. All right. Logizomai, which means this, to calculate, to count upon, to logically sum it up as so. All right? Basically, it means this. Believe it to be true. When we say we need to consider this, we need to believe it to be true. This is who we really are. Come on, somebody. Y'all not getting this. This is who we really are. Who? This is, what's the this? Who Jesus is. This is who we really are. We aren't just the children of our parents. We aren't just the person that grew up wherever you grew up. We aren't just the person who has the job that you have. We aren't just the person that comes and sits in the pews here at church. Come on, we aren't just that person. We are a child of God. We are in Christ and everything he is, he can be and should be in us. Who he is is who we should believe to be also. Come on. Once we believe it's true, then we have to do something with what we believe. Turn to James chapter 2. We have to do something. Once you consider it or you believe it to be true, listen, if you believe Jesus is, is everything that he says he is, then he, you should be believing it. he is in your life. Okay, now what? What now, Brent? What do we do now? Because I do believe that. I mean, I mean I, I, I'm, I've got a relationship with Jesus and I'm still seeing these problems. I'm still seeing these, these answers not coming. I'm still facing challenges. We're always going to face challenges, but here's the difference. When you belong to Christ, you can expect the answers to go. All right? In James chapter 2, verse number 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, or you believe it, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, uh, can you show me your faith? If you don't have good deeds, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, but um, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without works or good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions 
when he offered his son on the altar. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Verse 24, so you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Verse 25, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions. When she, did, uh, when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Verse 26, and we'll finish this, this, this reading. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Now, I saw myself doing this with Mikey. Come up here. All right. Now, I want everybody to just flip your imagination on for a second. Lay down. Yes. You're dead. Bang. No, like you're in a casket. There you go. All right. All right. Now, close your eyes. That's creepy to go to a funeral and the eyes would be open. That would be creepy. My dad owns a funeral home and it's a little unnerving when you see that happen. But anyway, um, so right now we're here to remember Mikey. Mikey was a good guy. Played guitar, always pointed at people. was like, dude, love you. You know, it's a great guy. All right. Now, how many of you would come to a funeral expecting to actually see the Mikey that we all know and love? You're going to see this, but you're not going to see this guy. You're not even looking. Look at me. So you see what I did? You're not going to see that guy. See that right there? All right. You're not going to see that guy. You're not going to see the little guy that plays guitar up here and, and sings for us every day. You're going to see this. And this is what Paul, or, uh, James is saying here, that faith without works is dead, just like the body without the spirit is dead. Now, I want you to catch this, because this, this was a real revelation when I got this. Do you know you can believe something, and it doesn't matter? You can believe it all day long, and it won't change anything. There's plenty of people out there right now that, that believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but they ain't no more saved than the man in the moon. There, there are people out there that believe, that believe God can and, and does heal, but they're walking around sick. There, I mean, listen, believing it is not enough. To believe that Jesus is who he is in you, that's just the first step. But that, that's, that's where most people stop, right there. Well, I don't get it. I'm a Christian. I should, I, that should take care of everything. No. You have to do something, just like Abraham and just like Rahab and just about everybody else in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 does. They all had to do something, come on, with what they believe. And it isn't just about going and showing your good works and being kind to everybody. Now listen, if you were here last week, you heard the way I feel about that. I want to help people. I want to help people that don't have enough to eat. I want to help people that don't have enough clothes. I want to help people. And I don't mean just, hey, be warmed and filled like the Bible said. I mean, we want to put something in their hand, feed them. We want to give homeless people socks and underwear and, and toilet paper. You know, we want, to, we want to give them, you know, food. And we want to do those kind of things. That's all spelled out in the vision last week. But this is more, this is more than that. It isn't just talking about the only way you can show you believe something is by going and doing something nice. At that point, basically in your life, for your problems, you're going to have... Faith, it's dead. 
Doesn't mean that it ceased to exist. How many of you know his body's laying right here? This didn't cease to, you know, it's here. We can still go and put our hands on it. Come on, don't, don't get up yet. We can go and you can go up to the, to the, to the casket and, and tap him. You know, uh, loved ones go up to caskets all the time and kiss the loved ones that are in there. And Come on, anybody ever seen somebody do that? You know, why? Because the body's still there, all right? This is the faith without actions. But once you do something with it, it makes your faith come to life. All right? Rise. Come on out of that casket. All right, you can go sit down. All right. Now, listen. What kind of... What kind of actions are we talking about? What kind of actions are we talking about? Brent, I mean, it's, it's easy to, you know, it's easy to say um, that we should be doing stuff, but what? What should we be doing? Should we just be running around in circles? Woohoo! Yay, I'm in faith. <laughs> no. There's a specific set of actions that we can take in order to do something. Good works that he's talking about here is not just talking about doing something good for someone. It means allowing your beliefs to govern or dictate your actions. All right? Now, listen. If you believe that a stove is hot, you ain't going to walk up and touch it, are you? Why? Because you believe that it's hot. You don't need no proof. You don't need to go, oh, somebody needs to find that hot, you know, the, 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 the hot uh, particle and, and show me before I'm going to believe it. No. You know, you believe it already. You see the, the burner turn orange? <laughs> I'm not touching that. And if you do, what's the next thing that comes out of your mouth? It usually isn't praise Jesus. You believe without having to do it, okay? If we all right, believe something, we act like it. How many of you went out to your car this morning and put your key in the ignition, turned the ignition, and it started? You're all here, so you either brought it and see somebody's key worked in their ignition this morning. You went out there, did you go out there and go check all your cables to make sure that, did you go check the, the amperage on the battery and your, did you go make sure you had gas in it? No, you just walked out there and you're just like, vroom. Now if you stuck the key in and it didn't start, what is usually our response? It's usually, yeah, exactly. It's, and we always, everybody does this, right? Everybody does this, you do it again. Maybe I did it wrong. <laughs> and then you sit, and you... But it surprises you, come on, it surprises you when it doesn't work the way you, come on, believe it's going to work. That's you acting like something's true. This is how we're supposed to be with God. We should be acting, come on, like his word is true. How do we act like it? Well, the first thing is this. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. We need to just stop worrying. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be concerned. That doesn't mean we shouldn't look at something and go, that's important. That's not what stop worrying means. But I'm talking about when you worry and you carry it around with you and you, you just know it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, you know, you're, you're beat before you even really face it. This is what worrying is. 
And, and Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So how do we act like it? Number one, let's stop worrying. And number two, let's start thanking him for what he has done. Mark chapter, I'm going to read you two more scriptures. Three more and we'll be done. All right. Mark chapter 11 verse 22. Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown in the sea, and it'll happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 13 says this, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. Now there are two scriptures here that once we stop worrying about it, here's the next part. We need to start talking like it. You need to start saying what those pieces of paper we're giving you say that should be coming out of your mouth if you really believe that who jesus is he is in your life then you should be saying that when a challenge comes your way you should be looking at your challenge and saying i am more than a conqueror <laughs> you're going down <laughs> when you're sick you should be saying by his stripes come on i am healed when you got a need in your life, you should be saying, my God, come on, shall supply all my needs according to his, come on, riches in glory through Christ. See, we should be saying what he is. We should be acting like it's so. Very familiar passage of scripture for those of you who got saved. Romans 10, 10 says this, for it is by, it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it is confessing with your mouth that you are saved. You've been given a list of scriptures there today. And they're true about Christ. But guess what? They're true about us because we're in him. We belong to him. It's because of him. And you know what? I could go around this room right now and I could, I could give everybody a chance to give us a testimony of what God has done, at least one amazing thing in your life. And I'm sure everybody in this room could tell us something. But you know what? What are the things that you couldn't tell us because they haven't happened yet? That's where your belief needs to be focused. Those things that you haven't seen come to happen and, and come into a reality yet, now we need to start believing the same God that did this thing that I look back on and go, golly, that was so awesome. That's the same belief you need to be having on this thing right here. The things that, that, that you look back on, and man, God was so awesome, man, I wish you'd be like that here. Don't wish. Come on, believe it. Because you're in him, and he, he isn't facing this. He doesn't have this going. It's not like in heaven those things are happening. Guess what? It doesn't have to happen in yours either. So act like it. Talk like it. Stop worrying about it. And be who you are in Christ. Come on. Amen? Heads bowed. Eyes closed. I'm done.